You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This week on 80s Revisited, we're talking about 1984, not the book, the year. And it was a banner year for commercials. Jesse, what's your favorite commercial? Crossfire! Crossfire! <laughs> that is a classic, however, it was in the 90s. Ah, but 1984 was arguably... As you'll see, as we're about to talk about it, not just a great year for film, music, and everything else, but also the world of commercials. Mm. Not only did we get the birth of Where's the Beef, which if you weren't around the 80s, you might not know what that is. Old Clara Peller, if there I remember go. correctly. God rest her soul. <laughs> uh, look that up on YouTube if you don't know what we're talking about, but I'm sure most of our listeners do. It became a national yeah. catchphrase, but also it was the year of what is considered the greatest commercial ever made, Ridley Scott's 1984 commercial for Macintosh, which aired during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And also, rounding that out, it was the year that Michael Jackson filmed a commercial and got burned. So, yeah. Yes. Not in the bank account, either. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and actually, that footage is on YouTube. You want to check that one out, too, if you want to see what they didn't do. Oh, boy. It's actually kind of scary when you watch it. <laughs> oh. But anyway, all that and more. And don't forget, it was also happened to be the first year that crack was available mm-hmm. in the United States, mm-hmm. beginning in Good Los Angeles. Crack. We love crack. <laughs> so get ready for our best and worst picks of 1984 right here on 80s Revisited. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh, and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. You'll have to wait till 2017 for that, according (laughs) to the sales charts of books. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest and greatest episode of 80s Revisited. I'm your host, Trey Harris, and with me, as always, my producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And we're here today to talk about the top 10 films of 1984, continuing this series that we did impromptuly, because I didn't have a movie for the week, a few months or years ago when we started this, to go over my picks, my personal preferences, if you will, of what I would say are the ten top ten films of 1984. And of course, we open the show with what is considered by many to be the greatest commercial ever made, courtesy of none other than Ridley Scott, the 1984 Macintosh commercial, which, fittingly enough, aired during the Super Bowl, which we're recording this a few days before the Super Bowl, so by the time you listen to this, you'll know who won. We don't. We have no clue. I'm hoping it's the uh, the uh, Yankees. Hope they can pull out pull out a win for the Super Bowl. <laughs> some people will laugh at that. Some will. But regardless, 80, 1984, I was a lad of four. Jesse, you were born, right? In, in yes. 80? Yes, I've been alive for two years already. You, okay. I thought you were born in like 83, 84. What? No. I didn't know. No. Hey, 84 was a good year. My wife was born in 84. My wife was born in 84, too. Do, 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 do. <laughs> 
wait a second, my the third person, my <laughs> wife is born in 84. But anyway, and uh, you know, we've talked many times on the podcast whenever we've talked about a film from 1986, how like what a loaded year that was. But I'll tell you right now, reviewing like all the films that came out in 84, and of course we haven't like given a hard magnifying glass look to 86 yet. But uh, there were some damn good movies and a lot of them that came out in 84 to where I was like, ah, do I want to put this on there? Do I not? Like, I really had to, like, think hard about developing, you know, what, or, you know, narrowing it down to what my top 10 for the year actually would be. Uh, but we'll start at number 10, uh, released June 22nd, 1984. Uh, a film that spawned four sequels and a reboot, or three sequels and a reboot, I believe. It's none other than the... Uh, Pat Morita, uh, Ralph Macchio, classic, The Karate Kid. Uh, mm. Of course, most people now, uh, you know, just tend to say, uh, sweep the leg. Or uh, just reference the, uh, you're the best around. That seems to be the uh, the enduring legacy of this film, more so than the film itself, in pop culture at least, is the uh, the song and the, on, the reference. And yeah. all that stuff. Well, I haven't heard that in years. I mean, I, of course, I know where that's from, but when I was a kid, that was the big thing. Go clean your room. Wax on, wax off. You know, Ninja Turtles, and I think the second one or the first one even referenced Karate Kid with that same joke. Actually, it was the first one. I think it was going to the farm. Like, hey, Donnie, check this out. Wax on, wax off. Because, <coughs> of course, it's always a recurring joke with the Ninja Turtles with turtle wax. And the reason we're playing Duran Duran's The Reflex is because this was the number one song the week this was released. On June 22nd. It's funny, before I saw, because we, in our, the lavish Awesome Podcast <laughs> Network studios, which it is, I'm not being sarcastic, it's very nice, but uh, yeah, sure. I was looking at the screen. <laughs> you close the screen door, please? You're letting the bugs in. No, uh, I was looking just at the screen and uh, Simon Bahan, I think his name, or something like that. Simon something, but I was like, I thought it was George Michael at first in this video. When I first just glanced over there, wham, era George Michael. Right. Rest in peace. When I just looked, I was like, wait a second. La Bahan. Something like That's his name. Whatever. Uh, we're not here to talk about his name. But, uh, yeah, so number 10. It was, and, hey, if the Karate Kid's number 10, imagine the other great films that we're about to talk about. Yeah, that's true. I mean, seriously. Like I said, 84 was stacked. Like, I can't express that enough. Like, you know, it's, you, know you think, oh, that was a big year. Oh, you know, and we know 86 had a lot of heavy hitters. But I'm telling you, and you'll hopefully you'll agree with me by the time we're done with this countdown, that 84 was, you know, it's a contender. But anyway, number nine for me would be released on, uh, let's see, released July 27th, 1984. You'd be list- driving to the theater listening to... Which is odd, because you'd be going to see Purple Rain, the album oh. which the number one song is from. That's right, Purple Rain, July 27th, 1984. We covered it during Music Month here on the podcast, so go back and catch that episode, see what we had to say about that in depth. But, uh, yeah, there was a... Was there another musical that year or something? Oh, yeah, there was actually a couple of, like, heavy music-themed movies that came out in 84, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into the other ones in the honorable mention part. But, yeah, Purple Rain, in my opinion, Head and Shoulders, even though Prince was only, like, 5-1, above the other ones that came out that year. And, honestly, uh, as we talk about in the podcast, Purple Rain still holds up. Yeah, uh, the music and everything—it's still a—it's still a good movie. Uh, is that—is this the real version? I don't believe it is. <laughs> but that's what we get for relying on YouTube. <laughs> I thought it started off a little funny. Even I was like, "That doesn't sound right." Okay. Yeah, this sounds more. <laughs> this okay? Not to oh, scare no, people. That was. 
with YouTube, you know, people like hide like their little cover versions or something. We don't plan these things. Yeah. No editing. No editing. Well, except for that one little part we do now. Nope. But nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> trade secrets. But anyway, moving on up. Number eight. Uh, released just about two weeks before Purple Rain on July 13th, 1984. And Jesse, was it the same song? or It was the Duran Duran the Reflex, but we're going to we'll keep yeah, Prince's this is due. This is, yeah, <laughs> this is better. Yeah. I like Prince better than Duran Duran. <coughs> Personal preference. But we were very no wrong answer. too, so. Yeah. So you still would have been listening to Duran Duran. Wow, that that was number one for a while because uh, Karate Kid was June 22nd. Uh, Last Starfighter was July 13th. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, July 13th? No, this is correct. Oh. When does correct. When did it start? I couldn't uh, The week before, July the 7th. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so this, this is works. accurate. Yeah. yeah. So that's funny. The uh, I'm not sure which came first, the album, the single... But the, one of those came out before the movie, obviously, since this was, you know, number one, starting on July 7th, 1984, to help date it. Who would have thought, you know, he's gone now. Yeah. But, hey, that's the way life works. But anyway, July 13th, 1984, a film whose main set I actually got to visit last time I was in California last year for uh, early December. None other than The Last Starfighter, which we also covered <coughs> on the podcast, so check out that one, see what we had to say. But, yeah, the uh, gas station from that film still standing. Uh... Strangely enough, when we were there, as we're driving to check it out, it was on uh, the Roadside America app, which is also a website. Mm. But anyway, like, you could tell a forest fire decimated this area. Like, I mean, it was it looked like the desert with black stalks sticking out. It looked right. really cool. It was like, damn, it was like kind of cool looking, but terrible that would happen. So we're as we're driving to find it, we're just talking to me and my wife, like, oh, I hope it didn't burn down. I mean, this, like, everything was desolate and burned up. Well, completely unscathed. And uh, we talked to the owner. Uh... <laughs> Uh, very nice uh, kind of middle-aged woman but uh, she lives she has to walk down the steps that you see in the movie that he walks down mm. where the trail park set was to her house she walks up and down those steps every day mm. uh, of course the trail park trailers aren't there because it was never a trailer park no. but the gas station is still there uh, kind of the porch area where he played the game in the movie is kind of sealed off for like a patio area I guess it's a private patio because I didn't see how you got to it mm. Uh, but yeah, it's still there. It's been used in other movies, Devil's Rejects, some episodes of CSI or something, because she has all the posters on the wall where people signed, or pictures, I should say. Oh. Uh, very nice lady, but she was saying, yeah, the fire was earlier last year, and she said she said it was like noon, and they saw it on the mountain, like distant, and then like within an hour, it was right at the doorstep. Wow. Because we were comparing and contrasting, because we had just dealt with the flood here. And we were telling her how that was, and we're like, you know, and she's like, oh, the, well, the fire's like the same way. Like, I mean, and then basically the fire trucks were in her parking lot trying to protect them. And mm. she, they, they put her in the truck because it was moving so fast. So she just sat in the truck while the firefighters were doing their best to protect her proper, like protect the location and everything. Wow. So it was really interesting. Uh, just, uh, we actually went to Vasquez Rocks again because, A, it's a, national, it's a park, so you can, it's free. It's also scenic and really pretty and cool, but also Westworld <laughs> recently shot there. So we went there and, Saw where they stood at Westworld. Always, oh, yes, I did see that picture. Always fun to go to Vasquez Rocks because, I mean, you know, it's 30 minutes outside of L.A. and peace and quiet. But uh, and then uh, so we went to the other side of the interstate was where this place was. So we figured, oh, we'll just run over there and check it out. But also, she, the lady that owned it told us that uh, there's actually a park or a retirement home, if you will, for uh, big cats right down the road, which is owned by Melanie Griffith's mother. And you can, it's down in the valley, like between the two mountains. But as you're driving, you can pull over on certain parts and you can look down and you can see all the uh, cats. Well, you can see some of them where uh, people are working and everything. 
and all that. So really interesting. We didn't go into that because you can only go like one day a year and it's like 50 bucks to get in. So we were like, uh, you know, A, it's not the day and B, we'll go to the Los Angeles Zoo before we spend 50 bucks to get right. into that thing. But it was mainly meant for, it was more catered for like field trips and stuff for kids to come and do more like interactive type stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, nevertheless, it's for like, it's for like Siegfried and Roy's old tigers, uh, movie, like basically actor tigers and lions and stuff that basically, you know, when they're too old to act anymore, they can put them there to be cared for, almost like a uh, big cat hospice, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't know another way to put it. But it was really interesting, and it's all, like, right there. So, like, hey, if you ever go out to California, you go to Vasquez Rocks, you know, you can go check out the gas station from Last Starfighter. Uh, the store there is really lame. She didn't have much in there. It was like, if you want a cold drink, you can get that. But, like, it was almost like a Goodwill store inside. There were, like, VHSs and, oh, wow. like, used VHSs for sale. It was kind of odd, but uh, charming. And it was, it was fun. It was, you know, we had a good conversation with her. And uh, another guy came in, apparently one of our regulars reeked of beer, so we made sure he left before we did, <laughs> so oh, wow. we didn't, you know, he didn't end up behind us or anything. <laughs> we went to the Lion and Tiger uh, Sanctuary, but all that's right there, you know, easy, like, sightseeing day if you visit in L.A., check it out. Uh, good friend John Martinez in uh, L.A., I don't know if you've been over there, John, to check out some of that kind of stuff in your own neighborhood, because uh, much like myself, like here in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, like, we've done a good bit of the touristy stuff, but like a lot of stuff we haven't done. So we actively seek that out. Like if we go to New Orleans to eat somewhere or something. We also like try to check out a tourist thing that maybe we've never done, even though it's in our own backyard. Uh, of course in California, I mean, there's so much to freaking do. So it's easy to, y'all have a better excuse for not seeing some certain things around you than we do here in, excuse me, Baton Rouge. But moving on up, number seven. Wouldn't be a countdown without a John Carpenter film. And it's, one of the few that we have not done on the podcast, released December 14th, barely making it in 1984. You've been rocking out to Out of Touch by Hall & Oates. And it would be the John Carpenter film Starman, starring none other than Oscar nominee Jeff Bridges. Oscar winner, I should say, and this year nominee Jeff Bridges. And uh, Karen Allen, I believe. Uh, Jenny Hayden. That's the biggest thing I remember from that film. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, we will cover it on the podcast. I have it ready to watch. It's just one of those I'm going to throw in whenever I feel like watching it, along with one of the several of the honorable mention films we haven't covered yet, but we'll get on to that pretty soon. But yeah, Starman, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's different from a lot of Carpenter stuff. It's obviously straight up sci-fi with not any horror elements to it, so, mm. you know, it's the master of, my personal master of horror doing a straight up science fiction film, more akin to something like Arrival or uh, E.T. even, you know, where it's, it's, sci it's just sci-fi, it's not action, it's not horror, it's, it's a science fiction film, and fantastic at that. Great acting, great score. In fact, I think Jeff Bridges was nominated for an Oscar for that movie, too. Hmm. But we'll cover that more in depth when we get to it on the podcast itself. And number six, moving on up, June 8th. Probably has to be Duran Duran. <laughs> Still, maybe. No, actually. Oh, oh a different uh, one. No, not this. Oh, 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 oh. This. I hate this song. <laughs> Wasn't this in Footloose, I think? I have no idea. This was in song. I think it was in Footloose. I hate this song so much. But you'd be, be listening to Denise Williams. Let's hear it for the boy. This is in some 80s movie. I think I'm pretty sure it was Footloose. It has to be. I know it's in something. I hate this oh, song. I'm sure it is in something. I just don't know what. I was hoping it like, would show a clip or something. But it sucks. Anyway. So it always make me think of Kevin Bacon and the like. Yep. That would have to be. Uh, okay. That's Footloose. Yep. That's Footloose. I knew it was right. But anyway, <laughs> you'd be on your way. June 8th, strangely enough, to go see a Christmas movie, which would be Gremlins. Yeah. One of the top Christmas movies ever. Definitely in my top five, probably my top three. Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Gremlins. There you go. This one's top three Christmas movies. 
uh, off the, right off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, Gremlins, we've done it on the podcast. Fantastic film. Uh, was the sequel in the 90s or the was it like 89? Um, I, think find it, out. I think it was in the Because we looked it up on the first one. Like, oh, we, I can't remember if we could do it or couldn't do it on the up 90. Nope, sorry. Filmed in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. technically it was filmed, yeah. But alas, released <laughs> in the 90s. Yep. Although we could cheat like we do it Back to the Future and Star Wars because it's a part of a series. But eh, we, <laughs> yeah. have a, we, have, we have bigger fish to fry, yeah. so to speak. But moving on so we can get rid of this song. Yeah. Hey, guys. Taking a quick break from the podcast. ask you to please, please, please... Shoot on over to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. We love to hear feedback, because hey, let's face it, like the 80s, we're not perfect. Also, head on over to... <laughs> <laughs> so you screwed up this ad. Damn, now I get, gotta get back to the show. This is a 30 second ad, we only got 8 seconds left. Oh shit, we're still, oh, I thought you expected you do your okay, magical Amazon, editing thing. iTunes. And Stitcher. Reviews, go get them. Thank you. Number 5, coincidentally released December 5th. 1984, and it introduced the world. <laughs> there's, there's George Michael. <laughs> Wham! Wake me up before you go go. Obviously, strangely enough, that, that's probably the song most people know know him for. It seemed like because when he passed away, that was all I was hearing. Like people were playing Wham. I didn't har- 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 hardly heard any radio stations playing Faith or Father Figure or Careless Whisper. This was the big one on like everything that I saw. Was a. Uh... I bet he got so many chicks. <laughs> Well, you see the brothers Grimsby, right? They have that joke in the beginning, like, I have to tell my brother that a lot of our heroes weren't into women as we thought. If you haven't seen it, one of the best of the year, go see it. But they show pictures of Elton John, Freddie Mercury, George Michael on the wall, like, say how awesome and manly they were, and yeah. they didn't, not, all their heroes didn't like women. <laughs> Great film if you haven't seen it. But yeah, rest in peace, George Michael. Along with Prince, too, straight, you know, yeah. sucks. But anyway, uh, December 5th, you would have, the cinematic world would have been introduced to one of, the funniest action heroes in the 80s, none other than Axel Foley, <laughs> Eddie Murphy, and the original and best Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, also covered that on the podcast. Great film. Still holds up. Uh, the second one does as well. I haven't covered that one yet. Third one, yeah, you can skip it, but you know, if you want to do a trilogy out of it, by all means. Uh, uh, it'd be great if they could get another one out. That'd be an 80s reboot or... Well, not a reboot, uh, another, make a sequel and do an actual four, but get Eddie Murphy back, uh, get a good script, and just go back to Eddie Murphy's comedy and just, you know, should, you know get Judge Reinhold back. Actually, uh, if he's out of jail because he got arrested on a flight or something recently, <laughs> causing an uproar. Judge was judged. <laughs> <laughs> How, no, no, they need to do Judge Reinhold is Judge Dredd. <laughs> or and if they when they hopefully finally do a sequel to Dredd, they have like... Judge Reinhold <laughs> as a character, but playing himself as Judge Reinhold because they addressed each other as Judge Hershey, Judge Dredd. So he's Judge Reinhold. It was on awesome. uh, Arrested Development. Uh, they had a Judge Reinhold show oh. where um, he was he was like a Judge Judy type. <laughs> like as a judge? Yeah. Or as a fake judge? Or like yeah, as an actual like in judge? In the courtroom with Judge Reinhold. Oh, that's awesome. Judge Reinhold's not a real judge. <laughs> <laughs> why, why did that never become a real show? Like, seriously. Uh, straight as an arrow, this guy we're watching right yeah, here. Yeah, But anyway, uh, Beverly Hills Cop oh number gosh. five. All right, number four. Now, these are now, the last several big hitters. But now we're getting into, including number five, Beverly Hills Cop and Gremlins, arguably, which you know they're still talking about another one, and it did spawn a sequel. Now we're getting into the franchises uh, right here. Number four, November 9th, 1984. 
we were introduced to one of the greatest filmic characters of all time, in my opinion. None other than Freddy Krueger and the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which we also covered on the podcast. Check out that episode. You'll be checking out the smooth sounds of Billy Ocean, Caribbean Queen, No More Love on the Run. I don't think I've ever heard this song. Confession, I thought he was a white dude. <laughs> I had no idea Billy Ocean was a black dude. You'll see, conversely, I thought Sam Smith, when I yeah, first heard yeah, that, yeah. stay with me. Yeah. I, thought he, I thought he was a black guy. Oh, wow. And that's as white as you can get. Yeah, he is. You know, so, but anyway, yeah. And Night as straight Ro- as you can get, too. <laughs> Speaking <No>. of. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, number four, Nightmare on Elm Street. Moving on up the charts here, number three, October 26th. Let's see. Look at all. Was it something different or was it still? Yeah, no, it's different. I okay. thought you were doing something else. I'll get it up. Oh, sorry. No problem. Second. October 26, <laughs> 1984. Speaking of franchises, this one died a horrible death recently uh, with the latest installment of Genesis. Uh, talking about James Cameron's original Terminator, you'd have been smoothing, uh, grooving to the sounds of Stevie Wonder. Cruising to the theater to watch the Terminator on October 26th. Yeah, Terminator. Uh, yeah, I know this one. Definitely heard this one. Yeah. Not my favorite Stevie Wonder song, but... When I first heard Stevie Wonder, I thought I could see. I love the same thing about Ronnie Millsap. Because <laughs> he has a song about a stranger in his house. <laughs> if Ronnie Millsap's sitting at home at night... He, I mean, everybody's a stranger because you can't see him. <laughs> I don't know. Is Ronnie Millsap even still? Oh, yeah, he's still alive. I know he's doing like a casino thing. Like most old, older acts tend to do the fall into the casino realm of casino shows repeatedly he is alive. when they get older. Yeah. And still performing. Oh, good for him. Awesome. But yeah, the original Terminator, October 26, 1984. Still a fantastic film. Uh, skip the last one, Genesis. Ugh. Shit on! If you want to see what a piece of shit looks like on a plate on a on a movie screen, watch that one. Uh, stick to the first two, and then uh, thing I talked about not long ago. I watched them all again, rewatched the entire series, uh, except Genesis. Couldn't get through the first thirty minutes before I just like it ain't worth it. And it's not worth my time. My review of that one stands as it being garbage. But the first four, you could do worse. Of course, they get progressively, arguably, you know, depending on how you view one and two, progressively worse, or you know, they peak at two and then go down from there. But, uh, you know, still a franchise that should have legs, but to me, Genesis just cut them off mm. right at the knees. Nope, 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 nope. All right, top two. Now, if you're familiar with the lore of the podcast, you should have a good idea, or if you have a good memory, I should say, <laughs> you're a pretty good idea of the two, two of the big films that came out in 84 <laughs> that I haven't mentioned. And if you do, you already got them. You're correct. Uh, but number eight came out on June 8th. Uh, a lot of summer films on this list, but also end-of-the-year films. That seems to be the trend. Uh, pretty much the range is May through July, and then November, October, November, December. So you can kind of see the, the uh, ebb and flow of film releases. have always kind of been that way, going back to as far as 1984. But you'd be listening to the lovely, at that time, Cindy Lauper, depending on your opinion. Of course, everybody a little different. But uh, yeah. her biggest hit, I'm pretty sure... Well, no, Girls Just Want to Have Fun might be her biggest hit, but her best song, clearly... Time after time, uh, you'd be listening to that as you'd be going yeah. to the theater. Girls have fun. To has see, three hundred thirty-two million views, and this one has hundred. Wow, hundred sixty-two million. This is such a good song, though. That's a crap ton. For if I would have guessed, never would have guessed. Never would have guessed yeah. that many. No, this song is so good. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, Girls Want Fun. That's a party song. That's like an anthem song, if you will. But this song is just a fucking great song. So you'd be, going, you'd be going to the theater listening to a great song and also going to see 
arguably, if not the funnest, funniest movie of the 1980s, if not possibly of multiple decades, the original <coughs> Ghostbusters, which, if you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about this movie. <laughs> and you also have an entire episode back in the good old days when Daniel was here where we did a quiz on it, and I kicked Daniel's ass, <laughs> if I remember correctly. I think you did. Yeah, I think so, too, because I gave him hard-ass questions. <laughs> we had someone where we made our own questions, and I were uh, like, uh, there's a number on the stove. What's the number on the stove? And his questions oh, were like, who said this? I don't so, remember that. <laughs> I do, because Daniel was very, was very competitive. Was because he's no longer on the podcast. He is still alive. Yeah. God rest his podcast soul. But yeah, Ghostbusters, go listen to an episode on that from the good old, you know, way back. That was like in our, maybe our fourth, fifth episode, maybe. That was early on, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it released June 8, 1984. Second best film of the year, in my opinion. Number one, what's better than Ghostbusters? Well, not much. But in terms of my list for the year... May 23rd, you'll be heading to the theater to see... Wait, what's that? Is he here? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Yeah, I'm here right now. Holy shit! <laughs> heart attack! I'm literally having a heart attack. <laughs> That's probably... I would I would completely geek out seeing Harrison Ford. Like, not By geek out, I mean like go into some sort of catatonic state of shock <laughs> that I was in the same room as Harrison Ford because of, obviously, you know, your right. childhood hero, Han Solo, Indiana Jones... If you grew up in the 80s, there were time you wanted to be both of these people, and Harrison Ford was. Yeah. That, how rare is that to have, you know, you are pretty much the Indiana Jones, obviously, you're the best character. Yeah. And start in a multiple cast role of, or universe of Star Wars. I mean, come on, everybody loves Han Solo. Everybody wants to be him. Everybody wants to be Indiana Jones. You know. And uh, anyway, but the Temple of Doom was the one in '84, by the way. So just, to, or, I don't think I mentioned that, but yeah, that that is arguably. The best film, my favorite film of the year. It's hard to pick between that and Ghostbusters, but uh, as a kid, you know, Indiana Jones, and still to this day, the trilogy is still phenomenal, and Harrison Ford is still kicking ass. And we'll next see him in the next in the sequel to Blade Runner, knock on fucking wood. <laughs> but it's after watching, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, after watching Arrival, it's in good hands. And speaking, I forget the guy's the director's name. I should know it because he's so fucking awesome. But uh, recently confirmed that he's going to be working on a reboot of Dune, which. Awesome! What a great pick pick for that uh, uh, for that project. Uh, which, speaking of Dune, I've long promised to do on the podcast. It's coming again. I just got to sit the, down, and I'm gonna re- the, when we review it for the podcast. It's gonna be the four hour version because I've seen the regular theatrical hundreds of times, but I've only seen the four hour one once or twice. But a Dennis, uh, it's a weird last name. What is it? Um, uh, Villa Villanueva, or yeah, something? something like that. Let's say Villanueva. That's what it looks like. It's funny that they're still making. Uh, films with a year in the title yeah knowing how we feel about like how they have not achieved mm-hmm. what they you know like uh with uh back to future just recently yeah it's like you gotta aim higher than that well that's what let's, uh let's call it 2249 where everybody's dead but that would remember that there was a common i want to say it was carpenter because it was i think it might have been the commentary for escape from new york where he's like i always regretted putting a year here because i knew it would catch up to us yeah and he said you should always put you know in the future yeah, yeah. If somebody said that, uh, I think it was Carpenter, but somebody in the commentary were like, they, like, you never put a date. I always put in the near future. Yeah. So that way it's anachronistic. Yeah, it'll hold up a lot longer. Yep. But uh, although it's still, uh, it's almost fun to me to see like, okay, this is what they thought it would be like. Yeah. It does give it a lot of press later. Yeah. Exa- yeah. Back to the, you know, it was a big deal. Back to the future day. Yeah, they had a party at the mall. Yeah. At the Lone Pine Mall. They sold some shoes. <laughs> 
Yeah, so if you're you know, looking for marketing in 50 years, that's the way to go, that's or 30 years. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure because the first one took place in a certain year that this is meant to reference that it's 40, 50 years past that, yeah. I would imagine. So it's, it's going to have a significant meeting, meaning in the film. I'm going into it as blind as possible. I just saw that teaser. And now that I know that uh, Villeneuve, is, Villeneuve is directing it, like, whew, he, he's, he's phenomenal. Like, in sci-fi, because if you haven't seen Arrival, <sighs> fantastic uh, job directing. But anyway, Temple of Doom, we covered it on the podcast. Check it out. That is my pick for the, uh, my favorite film of the year. And you would have been listening to Lionel Richie's Hello Again, but I chose to play this instead. Yeah, this is better. <laughs> no disrespect to Lionel Richie. This is one of the greatest yeah. film scores of all time. Thank you, John Williams. Now, have you seen his other movies? Uh, I've seen every single thing he's at least. Uh, actually, I haven't seen that Incendies, whatever, but I've seen Prisoners, uh, Arrival, and Sicaro. Yeah. And not, like none of this independent or. Yeah, yeah. Like short stuff. But yeah, those were all excellent. All, every, the, all the ones up top, except for that one that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oscar nominee in 2011. Must have, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed Prisoners. I was like, I didn't know what to expect, I guess. Yeah. But Jackman was great uh, in it. I just like a good story, and that definitely is one. Yeah. I mean, he's everything he's made, I've really, really liked. So, and he's doing Blade Runner. I'm on board. And he's helming Dune. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. All right. Some honorable mentions just to show you how jam packed this year was. It was also the year that we had Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Ha ha ha. LOL in hindsight. Uh, speaking of Dune, came out in 1984. Also, uh, 16 Candles. We cover that on the podcast with my wife. Romancing the Stone. Also, Police Academy, the original and best one. If you want to <laughs> rush to that series, instead of watching them, just listen to our three-episode uh, micro, or not micro, uh, condensed handling of that, one mm. through six on that at least. Also, Footloose, Star Trek Three, Conan the Destroyer, Splash, Buckaroo Banzai, Red Dawn, Top Secret, This is Spinal Tap, Muppets Take Manhattan. It was a loaded year. Yeah. It was a great year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting when we eventually get to 1986 to look back on 84 and see just... Because we know the summer of 86 was stacked because mm-hmm. Aliens, Big Trouble, all sorts of stuff came out in that summer. Big, heavy summer. But, you know, how the rest of the year go? Well, you know, in 10 or 12 episodes, we might find out. But uh, anyway, the, we talked about the best and the honorable mention. Now let's talk about the worst. A film I haven't even seen. But based on one scene alone... It's pretty safe to say that it's probably the worst film of the year. And it's the scene that we watched on the podcast of Stallone doing karaoke. Oh, and we're going to go with Rhinestone for 1984. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I've seen enough to know and heard enough to know that it's probably the worst film that came out that year. I don't think there's too many people that would disagree. Maybe one or two people. I have to say, it looks awesome, though. It looks, so, <laughs> it looks terribly entertaining. But, oh, God. <laughs> That was a Morrison-type scream there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but hold on. Here it comes. <laughs> nope. Cha-ching. That's me punching out. Uh, but Stallone and Dolly. We'll see how it goes. We'll get to it. It's about a boy who has a dream of being a cowboy, but he has these uh, mental illnesses. <laughs> Stop him. <laughs> Seems legit. Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah. Like, oh wow. He's okay, that makes sense. Good job. for him. Good for him. Wait, wait a second. He's, this is supposed to be real. Like what? But anyway, as we always like to talk about in 1980 and uh, this top ten retrospective that we do working through the 80s, the Academy Awards. Let's see if any of these films ended up on my favorite list. Uh, no, is the short answer. Uh, for 1984, Best Picture went to Amadeus. Rock me, Amadeus. Uh, best Director went to Milos Forman for Amadeus. Best Actor went to F. Murray Abraham for Amadeus. 
Uh, uh-oh, streak broken because Best Actress went to Sally Field for Places in the Heart. Uh, best Supporting went to Hang S. Nagore or Nig. Uh, I know, it's, I think it's Vietnamese name, so they pronounce it kind of weird uh, as opposed to how we would pronounce it. N-G-O-R is how you pronounce it, or how you spell it, I should say. Uh, was, that was uh, for The Killing Fields. Oh, that was for 84? Yeah. I don't want to say because I don't know for sure. Right now, you like me. <laughs> yeah. You really like me. Parodied on The Mask as well, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, often parodied uh, speech that she gave for Places in the Heart for winning Best Actress. Uh, but Best Supporting Actress with the Peggy Ashcroft for A Passage to India, which I never even heard about. But anyway, that does it for the Oscars. But you know what? You know, what, you know what's fun to talk about, too? The worst. So now, didn't do this previously on these, but, you know, we're the trying to The worst, you say? Out. Yep. It's <laughs> funny that you're playing that. However, according All to... Right. <laughs> according to the Razzies, this wasn't the worst picture of the year. What? That That award went to Bolero. The hell's that? I don't know, but all I know is that it also starred the Razzie-winning worst actress of the year, Bo Derek, for Bolero. However, Stallone would run some would take home the best, or excuse me, best worst actor, Razzie, for his role in Rhinestone. Bolero. Let's see. Bo Derek. 1920s English era seeks ecstasy with a sheik in Morocco and a bullfighter in Spain. I'll add that right to the top of my to watch list. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Bolero. But anyway, uh, also. Oh, wow. Once in a great while, a, a movie so bad that is as provocative and controversial. Just, well, it looks like there's a lot of TNA in it, so. It's like, please pay attention. Wow, this is the trailer, too. Had to be Red Man because she's totally talking. Yeah. John Derrick film. John Derrick. Hmm. Favoritism? Nepotism? Begins a new life. Okay. Enough. Adventure oh, wait. It's the chief from Naked Gun. believe today is the day. Become an excessively rich little bitch. Wow, riveting! Oh my God! Allow nah. me to introduce oh, look at the mustache. <laughs> the thinnest mustache I've ever I seen in my life. With a sharpie. Hand draw. More titties. More titties. A whole lot of titties. That's like girl on girl right there. Oh, no, that's a dude. No, that's that dude. Oh wow, Bush too. So this is how they got the people that go see it. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Is this on? Is this the, just the IMDb trailer? You're watching? This is the IMDb. Okay, trailer. watch the IMDb trailer. This is like awkwardly weird and terrible looking. It's the most pornographic thing on IMDb, bro. Probably. Oh no! This is quote art, Jesse. Oh right, my bad. But anyway, the highest grossing film of the year turned out to be Beverly Hills Cop. Oh. Raked in two hundred and thirty-four more titties. More titties and Bush. Jesus! Oh, she's playing like he's a bullfighter. It's just her screwing a bunch of people. <laughs> wow. What a great How is trailer. This not X? I have no idea. The X's are not showing the rod. Yeah, that's true. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Everything but. Like, seriously. Softcore to the max. As softcore as you can get without getting a softcore rating. This reminds me of uh, in Seinfeld, they had the, uh, oh. the fake movies. Oh, what was it? It was a girl's name, wasn't it? It was something. Yeah. Oh. If this was oh, Trivial Pursuit Seinfeld, we'd be like banging our heads right now. Oh my god, I can see the whole episode, but the name of the film. You didn't like whatever? Oh my god, you have to look it up. Like, we cannot even... What is it? Uh, here we go. Because I know all the... Rochelle Rochelle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know it was a girl's name. 
Rochelle, Rochelle, a young girl's strange erotic journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what everybody knows of. about it. Bolero, they had to be parroting Ro- Bolero or something. I mean, well, according to this, it's Emmanuel, but that that trailer was Rochelle, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I imagined they thought they were going to see. Well, that's the movie they actually watched. Holy crap. But anyway, uh, Ghostbusters came in, number two on my list, also number two for the uh, top grossing. It ended up with 229. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop beat it by five. I think we actually talked about that on the Ghostbusters episode, too, how Eddie Murphy was supposed to star in Ghostbusters, but did Beverly Hills Cop instead, which worked out just fine for everybody. Mm-hmm. So no uh, qualms there. Temple of Doom was number three with 179. Gremlins came in at number four with 153, followed by The Karate Kid at 90, Police Academy at 81. Rounding out the top 10, Footloose at 80, Romancing the Stone at 76, Star Trek 3 at 76 as well, and Splash at 69. If you want to know the difference between Romancing the Stone and Star Trek, search for Spock. Romancing the Stone beat it by $101,000 at the box office for the year. Hmm. And we all like to talk about the music of the year, of course, but also uh, for this one, you know, we talk about what music was popular at the time, but also for the Grammys that year, the record of the year went to Tina Turner for What's Love Got to Do With It? However, Lionel Richie took home Album of the Year for Can't Slow Down, and Song of the Year went to Terry Britton for What's Love Got to Do With It, performed by Tina Turner. And Cindy Lauper got Best New Artist, hopefully because of Time After Time, because that is a fantastic song. Yeah. And Girls That Want Us Son, Fun is just a fun song. Uh, as it says in the title. So, hey, and you might, I was wondering this myself. I've never like researched this because I really didn't care until I was typing this up for the podcast. But just so you know, Song of the Year, Jesse probably already knew this, Song of the Year is a songwriter's award. It rewards the mm. songwriter for a song released or that, quote-unquote, first achieved prominence during the past eligibility year, which is why What's Love Got to Do With It wins Song of the Year. Terry Britton would get that Grammy. Record of the Year rewards a song's performance and production. Record of the Year recognizes the artists, the producers, and the recording engineers and mixtures. So that's why Tina won, actually has a Grammy for the same song, but she got it for Record of the Year for the performance. Now, Album of the Year is the most self-explanatory. It rewards, well, albums. Record of, like, like Record of the Year, it's performance and production. It's a performance and production award that goes to the artist and album's producer and recording engineer. So, Record of the Year is you know don't think of a Record of the Year, but rec- record. It's right. the single recording of the year, performance based. However, whereas Album of the Year, to prevent any confusion, you know that's the whole package, mm. all however many tracks you have on it. So that kind of that really helped me out because I'd always wondered why is there a record and an <laughs> album of the year. But if you think more of it as record which it's not, don't pronounce it record of the year. Right. But that, to keep it straight in your head, record. Rec- the recording, single recording. If I had so, my sound effects, I would play the more you know. <laughs> Let's see, what you got up here? Some uh, notable events in 1984? Well, these are things we can cover. We'll do that at the, the beginning, beginning of the show. show. <laughs> Retroactively. Yeah. That's so what you've already about. heard these. Yeah. Because that's how we do it now. Yeah. You know, a little, you know, we're trying to change things up a little bit around this joint. You yeah. know, a little housekeeping, make it a little tidier. <laughs> but that does it for the top 10 films in 1984. And, and we know you love the podcast. We know you like it, at least the four people we talk to regularly about it. We appreciate you guys and girls out there listening. But we got a very special Valentine's Day film coming for you very soon. Hopefully, we'll be able to work our schedules out to where we'll get it out maybe for Valentine's Day. But we'll see. If not, it will be up, up that Thursday after at the latest. But, mm. you know, what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day here on the podcast than to give you, our listeners, a very bloody Valentine by talking about My Bloody Valentine. Ah. The only Valentine's Day movie I can think of. <laughs> and I was actually excited. I was like, because for some reason I thought it was in the late 70s, like a 78, 79 mm. immediate Halloween ripoff. No, it was in the 80s. 
And that's one I actually like. And most people might have seen the remake that came out a few years ago, well, many years ago. Actually, it had to be at least eight years ago because that was one of the first movies me and Autumn went to when we were dating. Mm. 2009. So, yeah. Eight years. Bam. Uh, 81, yeah, for My Bloody Valentine. So it was still coming out on the heels of Halloween. Wait, we'll talk about more, more about that next week. So tune in for the special Valentine's Day episode mm-hmm. of Age Revisited next week. And don't forget, drop us an email, drop us a line. I forgot to do this last episode, by the way, Jesse. Give us a review on iTunes. Yeah, if you feel like it, you know. Well, We'd appreciate yeah. it. It'd be cool. Yeah. I like reading them. I'm tired of reading the same 14 that are up there or whatever, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, uh, send us an email, 80 at gmail.com, on the internet at Awesome Pods, on Twitter at Awesome Pods, on Facebook at Awesome Pods. Uh, check out our, our shout outs to our good friends, uh, both far, near and far, uh, Ben White and Tasmania with the Asia Mania podcast, John and James with Now Versus Nostalgia. And also, I forgot to mention, shame on me for not mentioning uh, original uh, founding member of the Awesome Podcast Network, Tim Bridgewater, has his own podcast now for the latest Dragon Ball Z show. Uh, check oh, yeah. that out. Uh, go to his page. I think it's Rock the Dragon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But his, his uh, is it Tim Bridgewater? I forget the name. I'm sorry, Tim. I'll have to look it up. Uh, what? His, uh, he his doesn't page. listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Tim. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Tim Bridgewater 01 or something. I forget what it is. Oh, like, like, uh, to find it, for people looking, at, looking for it. I mean, if you look up Rock the Dragon Podcast. You know, it should come up because that is the name. And you'll recognize his picture on it, so you'll be yeah, able to see it. Yeah, it gets the first one that comes up. Yeah, there you go. So you'll be able to find it. If you want to see what Tim's up to. Podcast, go to, uh, I mean, it's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. Google Play, which actually, we're not on Google Play. I need to go ahead and do that. And Stitcher. And something called My Duck, My Duck Podcast. I don't know what that is. That might is. not be him. That might not be him, no. <laughs> so don't go to that site because we don't know what the hell it is. That's Ride the Dragon oh. Podcast. That's about drugs. I don't know. Probably. Ride or, the Snake. Or MMOs. I don't know. Who knows? We don't. But anyway, till next time, everybody. We'll catch you later. Until then, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods.